Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, and Dalton Sanford from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. It's the Tuesday edition of the Eagle Hour, and we're glad you're with us around the state this afternoon. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of Southern Miss and the Eagle Hour. You can enjoy their delicious food that they cook in their restaurants fresh every day. They'll cater your event large or small. No matter what the event, Dickey's can make it absolutely delicious. You can sit back, relax, and you can let Dickey's do the cooking. Fantasy football drafts are coming up not not far away. And I'm telling you, what, what, our, what our group is going to do is we're letting Dickies, Dickies? cater our uh, fantasy football draft where we can focus on what really matters. Food. Is who's going to get Joe Mixon in the first right. round. And right? you do understand now that just because they're catering your draft, you can't go in the restaurant and just eat free ice cream every day. Oh, no, no. We'll, we'll call ahead as to what we want, and then we'll go pick it up, of course, then and take eat it to the ice cream while you're there picking it up. Which means it's going to be a lengthy stay. Yeah, I'm sure of that. Hey, full show today. Madeline Bell's a former track star with the Golden Eagles. She's on the show. Patrick McGee, a little later with the uh, with the latest rumors and uh, speculation about the American Athletic Conference in Southern Miss. And we also talked a little bit earlier in this uh, on the program earlier this spring about a potential facelift and maybe some turf for Pete Taylor Park. And now maybe maybe that's getting legs. Maybe that uh, good story. We'll talk legs. about that. Also, another great performance by a member of the Southern Miss track and field team as uh, Trey Johnson does big big things uh, yesterday in the uh, USA Outdoor championships but first let's talk a little baseball which we like a lot around here Cole Donison just finished his four-year career for the Golden Eagles out of St. Charles Missouri came here in 2015 became a really well-known figure in Southern Miss baseball over the past four years the guy behind the plate Cole Donaldson glad to have you on the Eagle Hour how you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. All right, I, all right, Cole. Set the record straight at the start. I've always said that the toughest guys, the toughest guys in baseball, are the catchers. I uh, yeah, I'd have to completely agree with that. Um, I don't know how tough I am, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a uh, it's definitely a tough position. You know, with this this past couple of years, I mean, I feel like I've been getting beat up just about every day I go back there. But uh, oh, so you're you know, seeing you someone. Be, what the, huh? I said, so you're seeing someone. <laughs> so oh, yeah. you're getting beat up every day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's a tough position. You know, I love it though. It was uh it was definitely a lot of fun, you know, just running a running a pitching staff and, you know, getting all the all the responsibility back there and with you know, Coach Barry being a former catcher, you know, it was real fun getting, you know, close to mm-hmm. him about that and uh Statistically, call statistically when you talk about major league managers, the position that has by far the best winning percentage at the major league level are players who used to be catchers. 
when you look at you know Joe Torre and Mike Sosha and mm-hmm. and and Bruce Bochy and these guys who have won World Series after World Series, these guys are all catchers. What is it about that position that inherently seems to make them the best choice for field managers in the big leagues? Well, I mean, they're in every single play. You know, as a catcher, you're, you're, I mean, you see everything right there in front of you. So, uh, tens, you know, catchers usually have a pretty high uh, baseball IQ. So, um, you know, I mean, they they know the game. Um, you know, they they know the small game within the big game. So it's it's pretty. Uh, I can see how that how that would correlate over. Uh, just you know, having to you know, just between running a pitching staff, all the different plays going on and stuff, and. Uh, just understanding the other team and, and you know, scouting reports, all that can go into there. But, yeah, I mean, that does not surprise me one bit. So, Cole, you make an interesting comment about running the pitching staff. And in a lot of ways, despite the fact that there really wasn't a starting rotation that ever developed this year, or, you know, a Friday through Sunday, every weekend rotation, in many respects, this was one of the better pitching staffs as a whole the ball club has had in the last few years. Am I right about that? Yeah, I, I mean, statistically speaking, I think we uh, – I, I need to go back and look, but I, I think we had um, led the conference in, in walks, you know, the fewest walks and a number of strikeouts, and, and I think we're up there in ERA too. I mean, you know, with uh, it was a little sketchy there at the beginning after, you know, a few injuries and and um, needing a few guys to step up. But uh, I, I would say the, the bullpen, you know, did exactly that. Um yeah, I mean it's it takes a whole a whole group of guys to go out there and do it. I mean, not just can't rely always rely on those you know first three guys because you know who knows what could happen in baseball. And now, now um, Cole Donaldson, yeah. you, you're a native of the state of Missouri, and according to Storm Cooper, he is the best <laughs> player to ever come out of Missouri <laughs> to, to play on the Southern Miss I'll, team. I'll do, give it to him. Do, I'll give it to him. It's cool. Let's Storm. Really? Him. I love Storm. You're going to back down? You're going <laughs> to? It's Storm. You know, it's, it's hard to compete with that guy. He uh, He's good at just about everything he does, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a character for sure. Growing up, did you guys ever play um, American Legion ball or anything against each other? Did you did you know about each other coming up uh, uh, high school and whatnot? I knew his older brother, Shane Cooper. Um, and I ended up playing with him at, at Hutchinson Community College. But I had known of Storm. Um, I think I played him probably a few times growing up with uh, some travel ball teams and stuff. Um but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm new to the Cooper family um, with his his uncle, uh, you know, pitching for the card, not pitching for the Cardinals, but playing for the Cardinals third base. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I knew a storm, and it's it's hard to you know miss out on a Cooper when you see him. And now with <laughs> with with Southern, they're looking for another year of eligibility out of you somehow, Cole, because the catching position now yeah. it seems like uh, that's yeah. the catchers are, are dropping like flies on the roster. Yeah. Can at Southern you figure Miss. out how oh, to yeah. come back, Cole? I know. I've been looking for that that sixth year. Maybe they can they can scratch whatever somewhere. But yeah, we're not too sure about that. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm trying to know Coach Kai. You know, he works hard. He he does a lot of that recruiting, and uh, I'm pretty confident he'll go out and find somebody. It's kind of what uh when I mean when I was recruited there, that's kind of in the position they were in. You know, with Chucky leaving, and um, it seems like you know Coach Kai always always find a way to make it work. You have to have more than one, right? Physically, and you'd know. I mean, you started uh, your first year here. You played in 50 games. But physically, is it very difficult, impossible to catch every single game? Uh, 
wouldn't say it's impossible. I, I mean, it's a tough position. Things do happen. Um, it's you know, it's, it's a grind on some guys. Um, but I mean, if you can have a few guys, you know, a couple guys to you know back them up, that's uh, that'd be, you know ideal. Mm. But uh, I wouldn't say it's impossible for one for one person to uh, you know. Um, take that, that whole role uh, just, in their own hands. Just like, Bob, it's not impossible for the Redskins to go to the Super Bowl, right? It's not likely, <laughs> but it's not possible. Well, you see, Cole, for guys like me and Kelly at our age, we just have trouble getting up and down, period. So we're really impressed mm-hmm. with a young man like you that that can do that for, uh, what, some of these games are now four hours long. Uh, yeah. Is there any one game you remember that you were thinking to yourself, my word, is this never going to end? I'm really, really tired. Oh man, uh, I mean, there's a few, few, you know, some of them will have, and and you know they'll they'll leave me in there because you know Bryant was was DHing, so it's kind of like you got know, one and a half one, you know, it's one of them four and a half hour games. You know, I can't believe I'm still back here. You know, mm-hmm. you'll get one of them little square nets I can throw into. I'm pretty pretty sure the umpire. Will <laughs> well, now now you know it's so difficult for a lot of guys who are now making this transition in your life because every summer, every spring. Probably from the time that you were eight years old, you've known nothing but oh, yeah. baseball. Yep. So, yeah, so I mean, mentally, how do you wrap your mind around this transition now? Baseball's over. I don't think it's. I don't think it's quite hit me. Hit me yet. Um, you know, with the the draft passing and everything, and you know, that opportunity kind of going away. It's. It's. It, I don't think it's quite hit me. I'm still. I'm still in baseball mode. Um, you know, keeping up. I'm, my sports team's the Cardinals, so I've been kind of watching them. So. You know, thinking about the game, I don't think it's quite going to hit me until I get back down there this fall for uh, for school, and then I think that's when it'll set in that you know I'm I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to the field anymore. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's kind of tough. I've been you know doing some job searching, you know, trying to trying to get things rolling there. Um, you know, just trying to figure out how to grow up. Be so, selfish. so what is the dream <laughs> job, Cole? What is the dream job? Uh. I'd like to do electrical engineering. Um, I'm up here in Kansas City right now. That's where I'll end up moving and, and living after school. Um, I was kind of thinking something with, uh, you know, like renewable energy with um, solar solar energy or, uh, you know, there's a lot of wind farms up here in Kansas and uh, something big, you know, big energy, big power uh, related. Good. And, that, and that's, that's, the, that's the field you're about to complete your degree in, I gather. Yes, sir. I got you. Well, Cole, uh, we want to thank you for being on the show, man. You made a great, great contribution to the baseball program uh, over the last many years. And uh, we're glad you don't have to catch any four-hour games anymore. And uh, we're appreciative of you being on the show. We wish you nothing but the best of luck, young man. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, Cole Donaldson, everybody. And the most experienced catcher on the team gone and concedes that the greatest player of all time from Missouri None other than Storm Cooper. And Storm saying, I told you. Yeah, Storm, Storm's <laughs> laughing right now. All right, when we come back, Madeline Bell joins us. She'll be next on the Eagle Hour. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top.
Hey, welcome back, everybody, and our thanks to Colt Donaldson for joining us, who has conceded that Storm Cooper is the greatest player ever from the wow. state of Missouri. Wow. Storm's sitting by the pool right now going, I like and, and Cole's saying how tough catchers are, and he sat there and just backed down to Storm Just backed down to a second baseman. It's really <laughs> stunning. Isn't it? This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and our friends at campusbookmart.net. No matter where you're listening around the state this afternoon, if you want some new Southern Miss stuff, you can just go to campusbookmart.net. Go through their great selection of merchandise, and they will deliver it right to your front door. And I'm, and I'm told with this Internet thing now, which, yeah. I, which I still think yeah. is a fad, yeah. If if you go on to like that address, mm-hmm. or like you said, you could you don't even have to walk into the Esquire store. Esquire says here that you can order stuff and they will deliver it to your house and knock on your door and set it at the front door. Is that true, Esquire? Yeah, that's true. Just give it a few years, maybe they'll start using drones like Amazon's trying to. Oh, so yeah, can 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 food delivery to your house be next? Well, they're already doing that. There's already, yeah, there already yeah, is already a thing that. like that. It's here's the, the, only, here's the only thing about that. If you buy $30 worth of food, it costs $40 to have it delivered. Well, so. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm not really up on, on top of these things. Like I said, I just heard That's that the Lindbergh per- baby was kidnapped. You yeah, know? Any so. news on that? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't heard it. I, I just found out that. Uh, you know. Okay, enough. Our next, our next guest, if she hadn't hung up already, uh, <laughs> Madeline Bell was a, uh, was a four-year a uh, competitor on the track and field team, cross-country team for Southern Miss, who's, as we report so often, is just doing so fabulous. And uh, Madeline's with us right now from Pace High School in Pace, Florida. Madeline, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me on today. No, it's our pleasure. All right, Kelly, my partner here, he, he asked a really pertinent question during the break. I said, well, this young lady runs 3,000 and 5,000 meter races, and his question was, Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why would any sane human being do that? do that, right? Yes. <laughs> well, um, it's kind of, it's a funny story how I got started. You know, I didn't really start out running uh, right off the bat. I was into, you know, softball, and then I did tennis for about five years. And when I started high school, um, my mom had run track in high school. So she kind of was, you know, telling me, oh, well, maybe you want to do this. And I had some other family members that said, well, maybe she should try running. You know, she might be good at that. So I actually went out to the track my freshman year you know, of high school, and I was on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. I started doing sprints. So I was doing, like, the 200 meters, 4 by one 400, you know, stuff like that. And um, come my sophomore year, um, I had a teacher who was also going to be my cross-country coach. And he said, you know, I think that you would be really good at cross. You know, why don't you just give it a try? And so I went out, you know, my junior and tried it and just fell in love with it. And um, I knew that I wanted to try and pursue it in college. And it's just, it was amazing. It's something that I just truly love. I love running. So do you run every day? Yes, sir. I still do. Yes, sir. Every day. Not as much as what I was doing um, mm-hmm. I was, you know, running collegiately, right. but I still try and keep it up every single day. Right. Yes, when you were competing, how far did you run every day, and what have you cut back to? So when we were competing, um, it kind of differed, you know, for every individual, because you'd have some, you know, girls on the team that really just kind of did mid-distance, and then you had us the longer distance. So I'd probably say for me probably about maybe 55 to 60 per week, and I'm trying to keep it kind of at about 35 to 40 right now. My, are we talking miles, Madeline? 
Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Ma- Madeline, <laughs> I- I'm begging you, get therapy. <laughs> I'm losing weight just hearing these numbers. Get, I, I'm tired, Madeline. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I need to go lay down. <laughs> no, and, I, and I've, I've, I've never asked a cross-country runner this. I'm gonna, you'll be the first that I've asked this to, Madeline. Yes, sir. When you're out there, on a, and, and lots of times these cross-country courses can be pretty treacherous. Up well, and, they are. Uh, yeah, up they and downhill, through, through wooded areas, and so on and so forth. Where does your... Where does your mind go when you have that long of a distance to run? What do you think about? Really, it's, it's kind of funny. You know, a lot of people, they ask the same question, you know, like, how do you keep yourself, you know, going? What do you think about? And really, it's just, you know, I'm kind of keeping, you know, I'll look at my watch, you know, at every, you know, mile marker. And I know, you know, what I should be at, you know, whatever. Sometimes it didn't turn out that way. But you kind of just try and think about, okay, well, if I'm not going to be, you know, at this time, this mile marker, that I need to either, you know, speed up, you know, slow down. Some races, when you have, you know, kind of rivals in there, you kind of, you know, you start thinking, well, I need to kind of catch up to them and stay with them. Um, and that's that's pretty much, like, about it, what I just try and focus on when I did, you know, like, races and everything. I would just kind of try and focus on that. Otherwise, your mind kind of sometimes will just go blank. You really don't think about anything else really i know when golfers at the collegiate level or even at the pro pro level they when they're going to play a course you know competitively they'll get to walk a round or two you know to kind of check out the landscape you as cross-country runners did you guys ever get to check out the course before you actually ran it oh yes yes sir and that was kind of you know um we would take our time you know we would do kind of a 25 to 30 minute run you know to preview and we would just you know, go really pretty slow, just, you know, see what kind of, you know, um, elements we'd be up against the next day when we race. Um, so, like, if it was a super hilly course, we'd be sure to do the exact route that we were going to be doing to make sure we didn't take any wrong turns or um, where to kind of make a move, you know, maybe on some other people to gain some ground. So we definitely did those. We definitely did previews, and it helped a lot, you know, going into it. You knew what you were up against. We're, it we're wasn't the- kind of something... Were there certain weather conditions that you preferred over others? Oh, yes. Um, So, you know, I'm a Floridian. I love the heat more than I do the cold. So um, definitely did not like races, you know, when it would be 40 to 50 degrees outside. And then the other thing really that I don't like at all is wind. And I think um, you have a lot of people that kind of say the same thing. Wind is a factor that you never want to have. So wind and cold are definitely not good combinations for me. Now, Madeline, uh, the women's team, of course, uh, your junior year finished second in the Conference USA Championships, which was the highest finish ever. We're reading here today that there's a freshman uh, on the male side, Trey Johnson, a freshman who yesterday wins the silver medal in the outdoor championships in the 400 meters. You you came into the track program at a time that it's really exploding. So kind of put in perspective the, the type of athletes that uh, you were a part of the last four years. Oh, yes, sir. I mean, it was it was definitely an honor. I mean, when, when like, my class first came in, you know, so me and Vicki and then Rachel and Chloe, um, we were just kind of starting in a way to rebuild the track program. It was kind of a rebuilding process. And, um, you know, you had a lot of great influences that were already there. So many of the seniors and, you know, juniors, like upperclassmen that I was around at that time, you know, shaped everything, too. They helped shape everything. But we've just had tremendous, you know, athletes 
coming in and out um, of the track and field and cross-country programs. And I really kind of, you know, think it's all about the coaching, definitely. You know, if you don't have good coaches, you know, you're not going to have a good mentality and the athletes, you know, are not going to do, in my opinion, you know, the best that they can. You have to have that motivation, you know, to come to practice every single day and want to work hard. And you also have to have teammates that share those same values. And that's what we have you know, um, for track there at Southern and Cross. We have that mentality that everybody has the same goal. We want to keep striving to get better, uh, you know, run faster, throw farther, jump longer, um, just to get better, and we just have amazing people there. Well, I guess if been... I guess if you're going to run fast, it's only appropriate you come from a place called Pace, Florida. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, yes, sir. And, and you're studying kinesiology? I am, yes, sir. I'm actually um, in Hattiesburg still over the summer. I'm doing an internship at um, Merritt Health Wesley's Cardiac Rehab. So, so, so you want to be a physical? That. You want to be a physical ter- therapist, not a terrorist. Um, physical terrorist. No, sir. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I've applied to a couple of nursing programs. Okay. So I want to go into nursing after I get finished with the summer semester. Yes, sir. All right. So Kelly just asked Cole Donaldson a question. I'm gonna pose to you. Cole Donaldson's okay. played baseball his whole life, and yes, now sir. he's at a point in his life where it's over. It's over, you know. Mm-hmm. Here you are. You've been an athlete, I, I gather, since you were a little girl. And uh, and now you've just finished four years of being a Division One track athlete. And that phase of your life is over. How do you, how do you make that transition? It was definitely, I'm not going to lie, it was definitely hard, you know, because you're used to doing something. I've been running, um, you know, high school and collegiate eight years of my life, and it's, it's a huge part of your life. Um, so going from doing that every single day, you know, going to practices and competing, it definitely was hard, but, um, you know, you're still a part of, like, the community and everything, and um, definitely not training as hard and as much as we did but just, you know, finding other, you know, groups. And I still have a lot of, you know, friends and teammates that still run, you know, and so being able to run with them and everything, it kind of helped the transition, you know, a lot more. But it it Mm -hmm. was difficult because it's hard to just kind of, you know, be like, well, this is it. At first it didn't seem real. You know, it was kind of hard to grasp because it's sad, too, you know, because you love being a part of the team and, like, you know, my team – that I, you know, came from has been like a huge family. Right. So it, it was hard, but it's definitely, it's been a really awesome ride, and I wouldn't have traded anything for it. So. All right, Madeline, delightful to talk to you. Congratulations on a great career, and Thank best of so luck uh, as you move in the next stage of your life. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on today, y'all. Yeah, and Madeline, quit, sluff, quit sluffing. Only running 35 miles yeah, a week on, now. Madeline, come on, Madeline. I know. I need to pick it back up. Do better than that. Again, don't I? All right, Madeline. Thanks, dear. Madeline Bell, everybody, on the Eagle Hour. Patrick McGee. He doesn't run anywhere, but he'll be next. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This segment sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Our buddies uh, down right across the street from The Rock. 
Great place to have lunch five days a week. Great place to eat good Subway sandwiches and poor boys and all kinds of big, long, juicy sandwiches seven days a week. Am I right? And, and the trivia contests they have there are epic. Epic. Yeah. So if, if you're big, trivia has gotten to be really big now. Right. You know, people like to play that, and they get some really, really uh, contested uh, trivia contests going there at 4th Street. Great place to uh, pregame if you're headed right. to the campus for any reason. Lots of pool tables, lots of Southern Miss memorabilia, and a lot of really nice people working at 4th Street Bar and Grill. We thank them for their support of the show. Thanks to Madeline Bell and Cole Donaldson for joining us uh, earlier in the program. We now make a, a, a unique double appearance this week from the professor, Patrick McGee. And the reason we call the professor on is because now, Patrick, uh, all the rumors are swirling and all the anticipation is swirling about an opening in the American Athletic Conference and whether or not Southern Miss will be a player uh, should the American Athletic Conference have an opening slot. And you, professor, say what? Uh, well, I don't think anybody's going to be an actual player. I don't think the, uh, the Americans really going to do anything. Uh, just kind of the people I talked to over the weekend, uh, they would expect the American kind of stay put 11 teams. Uh, even though UConn's leaving, uh, that's, that's not expected to impact the, the TV deal they signed with ESPN here recently. So, in other words, uh, just that pool of money is going, still going to come in, and it means all the schools will get that much more money just because you'll have one fewer school in the mix. But, I mean, uh, I, I think at some point, you, you know, the American probably will move towards, you know, expansion or, you know, some other, you know, whether they lose another school at some point. I mean, it's, it's Southern Miss being the picture, I would say they're not high up on the list, but, you know, maybe under certain conditions, Southern Miss could be at least in, in that discussion. Well, I noticed in your in your article, Patrick, you, one of the players that you did mention that could be uh, on that list is North Texas. And the reason I want to talk a little bit about North Texas is, of course, anytime, to put it in layman's terms, anytime you want to sell your house, for example, what's the first thing you do? You spruce it up, you make it mm-hmm. look nice, you make the improvements that would make it appealing to somebody who is in the market for a house. Right. That's what North Texas is doing with their facilities. They are pumping tons of money into their Denton facilities. I th- I think with the said purpose of trying to make a move what are your thoughts right yeah and i think uh, i wrote about i think the mountain west conference is the most likely destination that, uh, for north texas i'm not sure when that would happen but i, I think it's a, a decent possibility i think i think there was for a long time a lot of people talked about utep maybe joining the mountain west but i think north texas is really a much more uh, valuable property at this point uh but it you know moving into the american is more difficult simply because smu is already in that market and uh, SMU, I don't think, would be warm to that idea of uh, North Texas joining in and competing. I, I don't think that would happen. Uh, you know, North, and we know North Texas is going to put money in, but they still got a lot of work to do to make all that happen. So at the moment, North Texas has got a lot of work ahead. But the money they've put in is, is pretty impressive. The plan they've had, I, I suggest people go and Google, you know, North, Tech, North Texas facility uh, upgrades and stuff like that. They've got a lot of stuff planned, including a new baseball stadium. Right, and a beautiful football stadium already. And when you right. when you rewind the tape, Patrick, we asked this question yesterday on the program. Is there any evidence or any data out there that would indicate why Southern Miss was never asked to be a charter member of the AAC when so many of their counterparts were? Well, I mean, it's, it comes down to, to market and, you know, athletic budget and being able to, you know, turn around and invest in your own facilities. Uh, Southern Miss, if, you know, is in the bottom two programs in the uh, – Conference USA in terms of athletic budget. 
I think Louisiana Tech uh, ranks last. Southern Miss is one spot ahead of them. So financially speaking, I mean, Southern Miss just doesn't have a lot of funding. And I, it, but, but it's not all Southern Miss's fault. Part of the problem is, is that a lot of these schools in the American and in Conference USA can rely on, on hefty student fees that help uh, prop up the athletic department. And Southern Miss just does not have that. Uh, they just don't take in much money from the university side, and part of that is, that, you know, Southern Miss is, has a bunch of students. That, you know, you know, the students coming to Southern Miss, they're not going to be happy if uh, if you add that much more to their tuition because Southern Miss is not a school that brings in wealthy students. Uh, you know, I, I somebody told me the other day that you know over you know just over fifty percent of the Southern Miss student body receives Pell grants. Uh, so it's it's just where Southern is. Southern Miss is. A, is a middle-class school and, you know, a relatively poor state. So uh, it really comes down to a lack of market and just overall funding for the athletic department. And I know at one time we were told that Southern Miss was the only school in the conference that's booster club, a.k.a. the Eagle Club here. Every, every school has their own. Is not raising enough money to fund all its scholarships, as most schools do, and therefore they have to take money out of the budget to fund scholarships. Right. Is that true, and is, does that remain true? I, I'm not honestly. I can't speak to what, what the rest of the conference and their situation is, but it is a problem for Southern Miss. You know, at Southern Miss, you can raise money for projects, uh, but for whatever reason, the Eagle Club has had a hard time kind of meeting its goals uh, over time. It's, it's, you know, it's a constant battle. Uh, once you have that to kind of that to to account for every year in the athletic the budget budget it kind of takes away from other stuff. But as far as where it, where it stands in the rest of the conference, I'm not sure where. But, where, but I but guess yeah. my question, I guess, is how important is that aspect to a conference when they look at a school as a possible member? Well, it's definitely a black mark. Uh, if if the school's going to look at where you stand and uh, you know financially and how you're able to raise money if you can't fully fund your athletic scholarships through the uh, foundation meant to do so, uh, it's a problem. So, yeah, it's it's definitely not a good look. So going forward, you know, for those that and, – and, again, we talked yesterday that's speculative and it's kind of fun to hypothesize, but, but the stark reality is, and we've underlined this a couple times, that money talks and you know what walks. And that's and that's really what the the bottom line of this conversation is. Yes, you just you got to have a little bit of money to throw around in order to get what you want. Yeah, and you've also got to win a lot of football games if you're a Southern Miss. I mean, that's how Boise State moved up in the world. Is you know they just consistently won double digit, you know, put up double digit wins every season. And Southern Miss has really had kind of an up and down run over the last decade or so. So if Southern Miss is winning nine or ten football games every year. Uh, I think Southern Miss is in the discussion as maybe as at least as a football only uh, candidate, but that hasn't been the case. Uh, you know, just you know, lack of you know stability for the football program with coaches coming and leaving. Uh, so yeah, it's it you know Southern Miss is going to have to win its way into another conference, and they just haven't done it to the level that they need to. Now, interesting, you say football. You didn't say basketball. You didn't say baseball. Football's the key. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if we remember, whenever East Carolina was first invited to the Big East, which soon after became the American, uh, East Carolina was a football-only invite. Uh, then, but the conference was in, put in a tough position uh, to, you know, where they were losing members to where they went ahead and just made East Carolina an all-sports invite team. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, that you know Southern Miss is really the only path to a conference like the American is on the football side because the, the conference has shown that it's willing to invite. 
you know, schools that don't play back, uh, don't play football, or they are say a football independent like a Navy, or what they were able to one, you know, trying to do with the East Carolina. So, uh, you know, the most ideal situation, and, and this, you know, I, I put this out there is unlikely it is as it is, is that maybe Southern Miss gets an invite to the American or something as, as a football only member, then it would be able to put its other sports into the Sun Belt, which would be an ideal situation. Uh, but there's no guarantee that the Sun Belt would be cool with that, even though I don't, you know, I don't see why they wouldn't consider it. You know, you, uh, but that's that's just an, that's just one possibility. You know, you, you talked about Boise State and what it has done over the years. A lot of people, if you rewind that tape even further, Florida State actually right. went right. the independent route back when Daryl Mudra was That's the head coach, right. yeah. you know, and went on the road and then won all those games. And now, you know, look where obviously Florida State is. Now, Patrick, you throw out the Sun Belt. Kelly and I have advocated for a couple of years that that, for at least in our simple minds, might be a logical place for Southern Miss to look. How, would the Sun Belt welcome Southern Miss if, if Southern Miss approached that conference? Uh, yeah, as an all sports member, they would. Yeah, absolutely. But but the problem is, is that the Sun Belt is in a tough position. Its most recent TV deal, uh, they have to spend money. Uh, they're not getting money. Uh, Southern Miss is getting money from CBS Sports Network, and now you know some from NFL Network, uh, support, supposedly, and also they have Stadium and some other outfits. So, you know. It's, the Conference USA doesn't have, you know, a big dollar TV deal, but it's getting some money, and it's, you know, got it, you know, it's going to have some exposure through NFL Network and CBS Sports Network. Uh, the deal that that the Sun Belt has with ESPN requires that all the schools pay for production on their their, uh, really? uh, yeah, for their broadcast through ESPN Plus and all that. So uh, basically, the Sun Belt is losing money on its TV deal while while Conference USA is getting some money, and. And and I gather Southern Miss just is not in a financial position to lose right. any money to make any kind of move. Correct. Right, right, and and it, you also have to take take into account that you know Conference USA is a little bit better basketball league, uh, and that does count for something as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would be somewhat of an upgrade for you know Southern Miss on the baseball side, but at the end of the day, baseball is baseball. Uh, you're you're just not going to that's not going to play into this decision much at all. All right, Patrick, we appreciate the extra segment, and uh, we're going to call on you again Thursday and uh, enjoy a conversation with you then as well. that good? All right, sounds good. All right, Patrick McGee, everybody, the professor from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, making an unusual Tuesday pinch hit appearance on the Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour, everybody. Bob and Kelly and Dalton from the First Bank Studios, the home of the Perfect Ten in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And I want to thank uh, the professor, Patrick McGee, for jumping in and helping us out on that segment. This segment is sponsored by our good friends down at the Gulfport Home Center. They've got a fantastic selection of pre-manufactured housing, 
Big, small, medium, uh, no matter what your housing needs, it's affordable. They can finance it for you, and they have a great selection of beautiful homes for you to choose from. So if you're in the Hattiesburg, Laurel area, or anywhere in central Mississippi, make the short drive down to Gulfport and uh, say hello to our friends at Gulfport Home Center. So uh, Kelly has taken a nap since talking to Madeline Bell. He's back now. You feeling a little more refreshed after that? (laughs) (laughs) Three Stooges when Curly would do that. Hey, I want to congratulate uh, Southern Miss track and fields Trey Johnson. He had a great weekend at the USA Outdoor Championships. He placed second and earned a silver medal medal in the 400 meters. Uh, a, a freshman, he left the meet with a second place finish after running 46.41 in the finals on Sunday. He ran against seven other runners from Houston, Baylor, Middle Tennessee, Oklahoma State, Northwest Missouri State, and he has punched his ticket to go to Costa Rica and compete in the next round of uh, that track and field competition. Uh, and uh, that will be at the Pan American Championships in July. So congratulations. Boy, they just continue, Kelly, to do fantastic things in the track and field department. And what great publicity to see that Southern Miss yes, across his chest, yes. you know, as, no as he continues to move on to the uh, next just level. Another another tremendous performance by a kid on the track and field team. Speaking of that, we were talking yesterday about the College World Series, and, uh, you know, all of us here in the South just, oh, yeah, Vanderbilt to walk away with this. Not so fast. Michigan. What did I say yesterday? Light and just puts a whooping on Vanderbilt. Michigan's a team of destiny. They barely even got in the field, right? They were ho hum during the regular season. They get hot at the right time. And I'm telling you, I, I said yesterday on the show, I said I'm cheering for Vanderbilt. I'd like to see you know Vandy win it, but it wouldn't surprise me at all for Michigan to. Well, you know they jumped out to a four to nothing lead. Vanderbilt cuts it back four to three. It appeared Vanderbilt had all the momentum, and then here come the big sticks from Michigan, two run home run, and you know then the bats wake up again, and and they, you know, it's fair to say they walked away from Vanderbilt. Bass, uh, baseball at the collegiate level. One of the other things that really is is appealing about baseball is that you never know from year to year who's going to win it. I mean, Coastal Carolina a couple of years ago, now Michigan yeah. this year when you'd never – they haven't won it yet, mind you. Right. And, and Vanderbilt would certainly argue with us. Um, but if Michigan wins it, there's a team that you never would have thought. Coastal Carolina, you never would have thought. But in basketball, it's the same old humdrum Duke and North Carolina and Kansas and all that bunch. And in football, we're probably going to get stuck with Alabama and Clemson again this year. Mm-hmm. But baseball seems to be the only sport where if you like – a variety, right? You know that that you're getting that when it comes to champions. Now it's not over, and Vanderbilt's a very, very, very good baseball program, so they could very well win the last two games. But if Michigan holds on to win, Kelly, what is what does this say about the the way the SEC is pampered? They get 11 teams in the regionals. I think they got six, maybe that got super regional bids that they played their entire schedule on their home field. They get half the half the World Series field. I, I contend, due to a lot of the positioning that the committee made, half of the field are SEC teams, and they're on the verge of not winning the tournament. Well, it's been that way in how many sports now? Right. I mean, Clemson, you know, Alabama's there in football, but Clemson has had their number. You know, I mean, a lot of teams are really, really good, but they're not taking home the big hardware. Right. When – when the sea is parted pretty much for them, as you just right. as you just mentioned, if other teams, if other leagues were treated that same way, 
You know, I mean, right. and, and to, not to, to make light of it, but I'm saying you could, if you took eight Conference USA teams and, and put them there, they, you know, and they don't win the national championship either. I mean, they're, that's they're, right. So they're equal in that regard. So right now, you're defending champions in football and basketball are from the ACC, Clemson and Virginia. The defending champion, not going to be repeated, but the defending baseball champion is from the Pac 12, Oregon State. And now you're on the verge of the Big Ten claiming a baseball championship. None of those. Or the SEC? No, no, and I'm not in any. I'm not trying to just dig the SEC because obviously they have a lot of really good programs. But it does make you, you know, it does kind of make you go back to that complaint. You know, I, I was visiting uh, during the baseball tournament with the pitching coach at Florida Atlantic, who's a Clemson World Series pitcher, played at Clemson, pitched in the World Series for Clemson, a Clemson guy. He was complaining to me one afternoon about about the, the partisanship that the NCAA places on that one conference. And, and you, the point that you just made about the SEC having some great programs is fair enough. However, if you were to give as much money right. as those SEC teams have to other teams and other conferences, right. how good could their programs be? Well, yeah. Because going back to what we said with Patrick, and I know you all get tired of hearing this, but money talks – and you know what walks. Right. And, and when you, you know, money, you can do a lot of things. Money buys you freedom, you know, to do things that people who don't have money don't have the freedom to do. Correct. And that's the advantage that they have. Huge. Huge. Huge advantage. Huge. No question. All right. Uh, Kelly and I at Sully's Friday. Yeah, we're going to get to talk to assistant basketball coach Kyle Roan who's back uh, in the Hattiesburg area. Of course, did some high school basketball coaching in Hattiesburg, then uh, got together with Coach Ladner at Southeastern Louisiana, now back at Southern Miss. I'm telling you, there is a renewed interest in Golden Eagle basketball. should be fun to talk to him about that. New uh, Golden Eagle softball coach on the show tomorrow, along with the one and only Al Holder to update us on uh, Golden Eagles in the professional baseball. Nothing player. but the varsity on this program. There buddy. we go. Back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To, to the top. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.